We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. And all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for buying the books. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the retweets. You know, just thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today. Robbie Samuels, networking and virtual event expert, podcast host, community creator, and author of Croissants vs. Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences, and Small List, Big Results. Launch a successful offer no matter the size of your email list. Robbie Samuels started out working in nonprofits and developing expertise in networking. He wrote his first book, launched a group coaching program and podcast, and was a TEDx speaker. His specialty was helping people with their networking skills at conferences. So when COVID hit, yeah, wow, he had to do some major rethinking. The question he asked was, how do I show up and add value? His answer was to become skilled in hosting virtual events and doing virtual networking. He launched the free No More Bad Zoom networking happy hour and soon was being called upon to help organizations host and facilitate virtual events with a focus on increasing engagement and participation. From there, his business really took off. His second book, Small List, Big Results, is based on his experiences building a business and helping others do so. Robbie explains how his vision of being of service is key to business building and networking and how it helped him to succeed. Now, let's get better together. Robbie Samuels, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, well, I appreciate you getting on the show. You're actually my first interview after my little hiatus. I I take a month off every like three or four months because it just, as you know, you're a podcaster, you've almost, you're almost at 300 episodes, which is amazing. 
and you could kind of know that you got to sometimes have to recharge, I guess. I, I don't know. Like I told you before, I'm a highly functional introvert. I do this show to practice networking. You are a virtual networking guru, DJ, like you're, I'm so glad to talk with you because I need a lot of tips on how to not make Zoom suck <laughs> because, and we're actually on Zoom right now, which is kind of cool. I know, give us some good tips on that. You're also an author, a business coach, podcaster, all sorts of great stuff. And we're going to get to all that. But before we do, as I always like to say, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. So prior to the pandemic, I was um, working for over a decade to get to be known as a networking expert. So I had this talk that I was doing called Art of the Schmooze. Uh, I started doing it while I was still employed at a nonprofit organizing fundraising events. So for about five years, it was my side hustle. Started taking over more and more of my life. My, uh, my friend and mentor, Dory Clark, said, it's time to leave your job when it gets in the way of your business. And so eventually that happened. I left uh, there at the end of 2014, 2015 starts, and I'm like, okay, entrepreneurship, do it full time. And I realized I wanted an entirely new audience. So there, the first challenge was figuring out, well, if I don't want to stay in the world of nonprofits and association, uh, nonprofits and, and foundations, what next? I ended up launching my podcast, which led to me writing my first book, which is Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences, which is you know, the culmination in a way, right? You're like, oh, I'm a speaker. Now I've got a business card. It's called a book. Um, I launched a group coaching program. Uh, I ended up doing a TEDx talk in all about networking at conferences. So I am poised in 2020 to be an overnight success, 10 years in the making. And I got this <laughs> new talk that I'm working on. March 2020 happens. Yeah, I know. All the things that I am known for, eye contact, business cards, shaking hands, and body language, <laughs> nobody needs. <laughs> so I had to figure out, like, how wow. do I show up and add value? Yeah. So March 9th, I kind of accepted this is happening. March 11th, I'm, you know, moaning about it to my peer mastermind. And they're like, kick me in the butt. Listen, Robbie, you built a global network in the last five years. You don't just think of networking as things that happen at events. Go help people. So the next day, I shared nine ways to network in a pandemic. It was pretty well received. It was very timely. Yeah. And one of the ways was to host a virtual happy hour. So that's what I did. March 13th, 2020, that Friday, 5 o'clock Eastern, because I'm impatient. I got the idea of Thursday night. That's what, It's not like I did a, a market <laughs> research plan for when to have it. I just did it, right? And right. I wasn't trying to launch a business. I was trying to show up and be of value in and 20 people came and I facilitated. And it turns out I have facilitation skills in, a, in an online environment. I didn't even realize that was a thing people needed, but I had acquired that from doing um, events and groups and masterminds over the years. I hosted that for free as a weekly event for two plus years and only recently started to monetize it. But it led to several other revenue streams. And within eight months of April, I had built a thriving six-figure business based on all new revenue streams. I had a certification program for people who wanted to become confident and confident using Zoom. 40 people went through that between May, June, July, and August. By the time summer came, organizations started hiring me to bring their events online strategically with less stress and greater participant engagement. And heading into 2021, by May of 2021, I realized, wow, we've got enough for a down payment for a house pack up our family, move across state lines, buy a beautiful home. 
live closer to my extended family. It's amazing. The reason this was all possible is that in 2020, I was also coaching about a dozen entrepreneurs a week on behalf of this organization. And they were all going through the same crisis that I was, that we all were. And so when people started reaching out to me for those pick your brain, coffee chats, catch up calls, Robbie, you need, you seem to know something about Zoom. <laughs> uh, Robbie, we host this thing. How do I do this thing? Train my right. team. I could have, and I, I, I'm not like you at all. I am a very much the outgoing extrovert. And so my, my expert brain was like, oh, people I'm not in charge of feeding. I could just sit and talk to them all day. That'd be amazing. But I would never give that advice to a client. And so I was able to switch things in my brain and turn those into research calls, which is why mid-April, I was able to announce this pilot program that I was doing in May and 15 people signed up $500 a piece and we were off to the races. So I had to stop doing the coaching on behalf of that company by the end of December because I was you know, filled to the gills with what I was doing. I was working nonstop through 2020 into 2021. And my latest book, Small list, big results, launch a successful offer, no matter the size. Your email list is the answer to the question, Robbie, how did you build a thriving six-figure business in the middle of a pandemic? How did, how did you do that? And the, and the answer to that is I talked to my network. And so it's a process of how do you reach out to likely prospects from within your existing network or to know, like, and trust you. So the, I have this sort of different areas of my business, which is why I'm like this multi-passionate entrepreneur. I've got all the in-person in stuff. So I just started doing that again, which is very exciting. You know, wow. the, I'm the connections concierge. I show up on, on site. I run the connections lounge. I train speakers ahead of time on designing, engaging events, engaging, you know, breakout sessions. Um, I host the first timers orientation, do all that stuff. That's just starting to come back. It's very nascent. And then I've got the virtual event production, which is the majority of where I'm earning a living. Right. And then the business growth strategy as a coach, running masterminds, one-on-one -on -one coaching groups, et cetera. That's the part that I'm really focusing a lot on now that I got this new book and I've been creating a whole process around it. So it's, I, I love it. And for me, the through line is relationships, connection, engagement, belonging, inclusion, right? right? For me, it all fits together under one umbrella, um, even wow. though they're very different mediums for how I deliver. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I uh, actually started this podcast during the pandemic. Um, first episode dropped March 16th, 2020. That was the first day of shelter in place for San Francisco. And uh, my whole idea was I was going to do all of them in person. Because <laughs> again, you know, like I wanted to practice. So I'm like, I'm just going to travel. I'm going to go with my little recorder. I'm like, like feel the room, right? Like, you know, you know, cause I was, I own PR and marketing firm and like I would travel. So I'd like, Hey, why not do this? Right. So my first three episodes I actually recorded before it, you know, and did one where I was at the San Francisco writers festival. We're in a room, like with my friend Grant, it was cool. And then another one, another one. And then the pandemic, I go, well, I guess the life's changed, right? I guess we're going to be on zoom a lot. So yeah, it's so fascinating how I love the fact that you just sat there and you were like, holy shit, the world changed. Bitch moan, bitch moan, bitch moan, bitch moan, which a lot of people do. And I do it. I'm, I'm, I'm notorious for this. Everyone knows this. But then you're like, you had a group of people that said, hey, you know what? You need to be of service. You have something to offer, even though it's not what you really want right now. You have something to offer be of service, which is such a powerful thing because 
I think when entrepreneurs have that attitude, things happen like what happened to you. I mean, there there is a really interesting way to look at this in retrospect, right? With the rearview mirror. Uh, around that time between March and let's say June, and then particularly by September of 2020, it became very clear which entrepreneurs innovated, tested, tried, failed, hoped, prayed, worked hard, you know, like clung, clung to something meaningful in life being, being real for them yeah. and hit the gas. And then those that sat back and took their foot off the gas and some even hit the brakes and said, well, I'm going to wait till events come back. I'm going to wait till the conferences come back. I'm going to wait till life goes back. And September 2020, just in six months, it was very clear who was in which path. And I didn't know in March what was going to work and where I'd be in September any more than anyone else did. But I, I kind of went all in. And it was such a freeing time because nobody was looking at you. Nobody was. There was no comparison game. Yeah, it's true. We were just so self-focused on our own preservation <laughs> and like just trying to keep our head. We're all, it's like when you're treading water, do you look to see whether someone else is doing it better than you? No, you're just treading water. And so, <laughs> man, I feel like that was a really freeing time to try things out. You know, the whole foul fast movement, you know, yeah. like yeah, yeah. I was willing and able to just, t- to just host things, run things, try things, innovate, uh, listen, you know, react because it was like, no one was going to criticize me for my attempts not working. And when I found something that worked and could then share that with other people, like, hey, I'm doing this thing and it's working for me, just even telling other people, like, here's my version of, of the lifeline <laughs> that I found, you know, yeah. uh, you want to try that too. Like that in another was another way to add value to my network. So it, it's really interesting um, how people sort of, reacted to those moments. I know people that literally was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a break. I'm, I'm going on hiatus. Uh, I'm going to just hunker down my family, which, you know what? I'm not, I don't blame people for their choices, but they were choices. And I think some people thought they had none. Agreed. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. The people that I knew that pivoted quick, like, you know, even like even the restaurants here in San Francisco. So the best example, there was this one on Fillmore and they closed. I mean, everyone had to close. They closed. And then they're like, well, we're just going to wait till everything blows over. Cause they thought like everyone, that's only be a couple of weeks or whatever. They're gone. Right. And there's a lot of empty storefronts. There was another one, another restaurant. It was a French restaurant um, that has been around for 20, 25 years. It's called Chapeau. It's a great place. It's on Clement street. If you're ever in the city, it's wonderful, great run by family, super cool. They shut down and the, the, you know, they, they had the whole attitude, like they'll never do takeout. Like you don't go to take this place to go to get takeout. Right. But I was talking to the owner cause he had come back and he's like, yeah. And you know what? People had to work. So we decided to do takeout and I'm all, well, how was that? He's like, well, you know, we never done it before, but okay. And adjust, right. adapt, overcome. Right. Like, I think that's the entrepreneur spirit, which again, like, I found a coffee shop when I was in Portland, uh, Portland, Oregon the other day yeah. that survived because they, they, they work really hard to source their beans. Mm-hmm. Um, so they started selling the beans and equipment and lessons online. And yeah. like, they just became this like virtual sort of resource 
And then in response, people were buying gift cards and buying items to ship as gifts. And so they were able to get all this influx of, of revenue that, you know, clearly at some point they were going to have to <laughs> respond to all those gift cards. But, you know, they were showing their community that we're still going to be here. So you can, you can safely invest in us by buying a $50 or $100 gift card right now, because yeah. we will still be here when, whenever that is possible. Yeah. And that right. to, like, boom, you know, it's just, it's a, it's an entrepreneur's mindset whether it's a physical location, which I think was particularly hard to adapt to, or, um, or it's like, you know, someone like me, who's, you know, a thought leader and an author and was just, you know, was already dabbling in this world of doom, but I, I did not understand the potential at all. I did not. I didn't even open up breakout rooms until March 20, 2020. I didn't never look into the hood at the settings. And you have to realize by mid-April, people are buying a, a, a pilot program for me on how to use Zoom. You know, <laughs> three weeks later, you're like, "Well, I guess I should build it." <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Wow. It's so fascinating. So, um, this new book. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about it, and tell me how that's sort of launching off on a new endeavor we talked a little bit about. I'd like to dig a little bit more into that. And the reason is, is because I'm always fascinated how writing a book, becoming a thought leader, you know, people use throw that term around a lot. And, you know, and I have, I have a love hate relationship with it, to be honest, that I find it a little bit kitschy, but the process of writing a book, putting your thoughts on page and to me, I mean, this is how I think. So you know, I've written seven books. All those books have been like me putting my thoughts on a page, synthesizing them. It's also how I like make sense of the world. So I always love it when someone has like, of course, I love writers and authors. They're like the best people in the world. Everyone should write a book. <laughs> um, but I love how that is sort of the impetus to what you're doing now. And so, because there's a lot to be said about that because Again, you've solidified an idea. Now you're building that idea. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I will say that, um, one, I don't think I've ever referred to myself as a thought leader until this show. <laughs> so even <laughs> as I said it, I, was, I felt like I was trying it out. Trying it out. So yeah, well, you are. Out. You are. You know, don't, don't, um, I'm a curmudgeon. Don't, don't. But, it's, but no, I will also say it's sort of like identifying yourself as an expert. Uh, you know, others should recognize you as these things. I think it's the... It's the less gauche way of moving through the world. <laughs> um, so when I wrote my first book, it really was like all about networking. I'd been teaching it for a long time and it was, it was about getting it all on paper and about having the credibility that is associated with being an author, um, especially when I was trying to get hired for speaking. But I, I didn't have a clear plan for what came next to the book. And my second book, I actually chronicle my attempts to launch a, um, a group coaching program and what worked and what didn't and why, and the lessons that I learned and, and the, what I created for myself and for my clients since then. Um, and the second time I actually drafted the book in 2018, I had like 20,000 words written. And so I was, I, I sort of put it aside because I didn't have a clear next step. And I said, I'm not going to do that again. So the second time when I finally brushed off the book and I started working on it again in 2021, I knew that it was going to lead to other offers. And I actually came out of the gate. Um, one, I 
I both of my books are self-published and both have 200 reviews on Amazon. In fact, I just saw that my second book hit 200 reviews uh, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, or I noticed it yesterday. I don't know when it happened. <laughs> so there's nothing greater, isn't it? This is it's so greater. much work. And you know, like, somebody better read this thing. I know, but it's so fun to see. Like I tell everyone the best part of being an author, at least for me, seeing your name on Amazon and signing books. I, yeah. just me, you know. So so I I worked really hard to have a big launch and I I I included a lot of community building, I had a big launch team, I did a free training, a book club, I did all these things. And it led to this, uh, this big offer. And two people signed up for a $15,000 a year offer. Wow. And what I learned from that is that I needed to kind of bring people along a journey with me. I'm glad I kind of came out of the gate with a big offer. But then I spent the last six months piloting I have a two hour thing I'm doing like a wake up your network pop-up mastermind and I do a one day workshop and then a 12 week offer. And so now that I pilot all these, now it's about putting it all together in one place. And, you know, given what your focus is for this, this um, show, I wanted to sh- say that I've given a lot of thought to how to build this journey for my prospects and my clients in a way that is transparent. That is giving agency to the person moving through the journey um, that isn't based on scarcity models where it, really you're benefiting the people who have access to capital <laughs> and resources. Um, they're getting the bonuses, that kind of thing. And I, I have a real aversion to the, to the funnel uh, model that we all sort of default to. And and, and just really like, I feel like I wanted to be ethical in the way I sell, but I'm also transparent because I want others to witness what I'm doing so they can create a model for themselves. So it's, it's taken a little bit of effort because there's not many models to look at and be like, oh, I'll just be like so-and-so. You take a little bit from everybody, which I think is true. People will probably take a little bit from me. And, um, and that's where I am now. And I just launched a new membership program. Um, as sort of a kind of a underpinning of the whole process. So it's just a very exciting time a few months out from the book um, to, to be able to, to have all this in place in this way. So, so how is it different from like a funnel? Like, can, can you explain that a little bit more? Because I am actually, so I wrote a book just was published in February called story driven outreach and similar thing. Like, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk with you because I just, I'm so fascinated about this kind of process. And so that was the first book I actually wrote that someone like I thought what the reader wanted, <laughs> right? The other ones are always like, no, I just, what I want to write. And it's a similar thing. Like, I, you know, it's about how to outreach to people and, you know, like get on shows or whatever. And I'm just fascinated like this anti-funnel thing. Cause I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll happy to share it. Yeah. 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 Russell Brunson. Okay. Guy, I guess like I read his book, but yeah. Funnels. Tell us more about this anti-funnel. <laughs> so when you picture a funnel, it's wide at the top and narrow at the bottom. And the entire premise is that we are to attract people to the top of the funnel, keep them in the funnel so that they end up at the bottom. Our job is to keep them in the funnel. There is no agency given to the people in the funnel. Do they know where they're going? Do they know if they need it? 
Are they asking for it? None of these things are known, right? It's just, we've designed a path for you and our job is to keep you on that path. So I get pipelines. I, I mean, I, I do work with pipelines. Like I, 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 in fact, my, my content and connection club membership was, was created as a low cost, $25 a month, right? Half the money given to charity, right? It's not about making money. It's a, it's a way to have a container for people who are separating themselves away from, I'm just an entrepreneur TV watcher to someone who is starting to think very intentionally about investing in themselves. And some people will be very new to that idea. And some people have spent thousands of dollars with either me or someone else. And I wanted to create a place for people to grow and learn together. And then I want to invite them to other opportunities. So for me, I want to almost flip the funnel model upside down. And it's my job to get them to the top by inviting them to continue to invest time, money, and energy into the relationship we've been building. So I gather people at the bottom, the, the community, the club membership is, is the low dollar everybody in, right? Or even before that, it's all the free stuff I've given away, right? All the free things, all the social posts. But then you invite people to make a commitment to actually join something. And then I invite them to a two-hour program, but they've got to do pre-work. You know, they've got to spend a little bit of money with me. They've got to do pre-work. That also separates them from other people. And then they can come to a one-day workshop where they're going to actually get in breakout room, rooms and do the work in small groups, right? And it's all to help them start to realize that they actually do have something worth investing in. And then I'll give them the 12-week offer. And the thing is, I, I don't want to spring all this on them. So there's no like, gotcha. I'm going to be explaining to them along the way, hey, here's the full path. And you can join anywhere you want, but any money you spend on the two hour or the one day is going to be applied to the 12 week. So if you want the bonus, <laughs> if you want to think of it as that of the two hour and the one day, you should just commit to those now. And that's your own, you're, you're putting a down payment on your future and either you're going to discover you're onto something and it's worth investing more or, or you're not. And I'm going to have saved you three years of your life. <laughs> I mean, but either yeah. way, you're going to learn a process that you can keep repeating. And then people who go through the 12 week, I'm going to apply the money they've spent on one-on-one -on -one coaching for six months. And that is the very expensive premium offer that I don't really actually have a lot of slots. So it's not going to be very many people who even get to do that, but the people who get to do that will have really committed to this process. They've done all that pre-work and there's, there's intervals in between where they're going to get to some DIY time because people have to come to a point where they realize I need more help. Yeah. So my whole book is about helping people understand that their little P problem, the way they think about the problems they're having is actually part of a bigger P problem. And once they're aware of the bigger problem, then they become aware to your bigger solution. They start to see you as a guide. And if it becomes urgent to solve that problem, they'll seek you out. So I think it's on me to help people move from thinking in their little p symptom ways to understanding the bigger picture of what's going on and becoming aware of me as a resource and a guide. And if that keeps happening, then they're going to come to me when they're ready. And they're going to they're gonna get more out of it because I've learned that the number one factor in people's success when I coach them is their commitment to doing the work. I'm not their business owner. They are their business owner. So they're not, I, whenever people call me, uh, you know, next get on a call and they go, Robbie, I didn't do the homework. I'm so sorry. I'm like, 
I don't know. I hope you apologize to yourself because it's not me. You're apologizing to you. It's like, it's right. not my business. I already got paid. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, this is your opportunity to do right. something. And so that, that model, that understanding of that journey, um, that people don't have to do the two hour, they could jump right to the one day if they, you know, it depends like the book, there's a lot of information in the book that allows them to DIY this. And there are people who can just do that on their own and they're fine. But I think a, the people I want to work with will realize their own limitations because when we are trying to get outside our own comfort zone, right? When we're in that zone of proximal development, we really need to be held there with a coach or a mentor or a guide who's going to hold us in that space when we're just outside of what we're used to doing. And it's so much potential growth in that moment. And I want people to be choosing that along the way. So that's my long answer, not really short answer about why I don't <laughs> like funnels. One other thing, Temple, Temple Grandin, Temple Grandin, probably the most globally recognized autistic person yeah, devised, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, devised cattle, yeah. uh, right? Like cattle going to slaughter, devised ways for cattle to calm their nervous system. The, the shoots get, get tighter so that they actually like hug the yeah. cat, the cattle. So the cattle's not, nervous systems calm down. Yeah. So that is by the way, a funnel. Yeah. Okay. The cattle do feel good along the way. Yeah. Right. That's the job of the funnel is to make people feel good. Do they want to go where they're going? No, (laughs) no, they do not want to go where they're going. Do they know where they're going? No. No. Do they have any agency? No. But do they feel good? Yes. Yeah. They stay in the funnel. That image is what I have when I think about funnels. Wow. Cause yeah, she, yeah. Cause her, her whole thing, which I think she has a PhD and I don't remember. I mean, the smart yeah hillary i think hillary swank played her in a movie and the there's studies that have done like cattle to the slaughter you know apologize for the vegans on the phone on the line but um they get stressed apologize to the cattle don't apologize the cattle too yeah the cattle (laughs) they have it worse right but she had the idea of, of a spiral yeah where this progressive you know so that they again calm down and this it's very well known touch um and physical touch for we need that as humans right animals need that it calms them down like um, a lot of times for autistic folk putting a weighted blanket on them when they when they can do that like they just right. need to feel the sensory input and sometimes too much but but right. yeah that's such a fascinating thing you so you think of funnels like that wow <laughs> well different stop. than like an invitation to climb a mountain with me right like you think right. about the effort that someone has to do to like, I'm the guide on the mountain. Yeah. I'm the Sherpa. I don't know. I want to co-opt people's culture. I'm the guide on the mountain I don't think and so. other people are invited along the journey and some will only get to base camp and some will go to the first level and some will go all the way. Like some will take the picture at the very top, you know, and like yeah. they, they did it. They, they got to the culmination. I helped them get there. They couldn't do it on their own, but they had to keep putting in effort. They had to keep saying yes. And so I'm designing my business to give people opportunities to say yes along the way. You know, that's the the $25 a month content and connection club, which, by the way, gives them access to thousands of dollars worth of content, an online forum with lots of different topics they can follow. They can talk to each other. A weekly, a virtual happy hour where they're networking, breakout groups, they're getting Q&A from me, they're hearing topics from me, right? So you're building the community people really need to to hold themselves accountable but people will realize, look, I think I need more than that. 
And some people won't. And that's like, I still feel like I'm providing a service if that's where they stay for a while. But when they got that amazing idea, this is what happens when we're experts. I don't want them to go to their basement and start designing their next big solution for the next big offer. I don't want them to do it in a vacuum. I want them to remember, I've got to connect with people. I've got to, I got to find my likely prospects in my network. I've got to talk to people and do discovery calls or research calls. I've got to validate this offer by running a pilot. I'm not going to spend a lot of money on, you know, Thinkific or Teachable or Podia before I have an actual thing to sell. I'm not going to pay for Facebook ads until I've proven my conversion on my landing page. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh, we all do it so backwards. So many of us create an offer, spend months working on it, put it out into the marketplace. Marketplace is like, who are you? What is this? I don't need this. Yeah. And we're we're like demoralized and we we make all these assumptions. We don't have a big enough list. We don't know how to market it. We don't know who our ideal client is. We're an imposter. You know what? You didn't even talk to the people who you're trying to serve. Yeah. Let's start there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is really good for any kind of product too. I I, I like your approach. Um, I interviewed someone else that had the similar thing. I don't remember what they called it, but it was more so his whole thing was. At any one time, maybe 1% of the market or less is going to want your offer. This just is a number. 1% seems to be a good number. And so if you're always constantly trying to close that 1%, you're just like chasing things that, you know, it's frustrating, right? And I think it was, I don't remember what he called it. It escapes me. But he had the same attitude in terms of, well, look, let's build a community of people that will eventually one day in my lifetime do business with me. That's the way he put it. He's like, I, I don't know if it's tomorrow or in 10 years, but if I have built a community of people that are no like, and trust and like the community you're trying to build. And I think Evie even had, he, I think he had some free stuff and I think he, he would do a dinner. His thing was, I'm going to do a dinner and I'm going to invite you to dinner. We're just going to chat. I'm going to cover the cost of dinner. He, his was for higher level, like B2B SaaS, mm-hmm. like, you know, like you had to do some, the sales cycles were long. It was the same attitude. It was the same, like, let's be useful. Let's be in it together. Well, and if I've, I've created a lot of different communities in my lifetime. And um, I think even giving people the opportunity to connect with each other and find the support that they need, the collaboration. I've met people who've hit it off and they've gone into business together, run workshops together, their accountability partners together. Like this is when I was just hosting a free event that happened weekly. There was no online forum. There was no access to content. Just by having that consistent time and place, 5 to 7 p.m. For a while, it was 5 to 7.30 p.m. Every Friday, including Christmas of 2020, (laughs) um, we were there and people showed up. And so the numbers started to wane from 50 or 60 a week down to like, you know, maybe 15 to 25. And I was like, okay, if we're going to have these numbers, let's actually get the people who are serious. And so that's when I launched the program uh, last month, 70 people have already signed up for the membership group, right? So now it's about getting those people regularly coming to these weekly calls. So they really get to know, like, and trust each other. Cause that's where the referrals are going to come from. That's who's going to get on the research calls with them. They're going to be selling to each other. It's not even whether they buy from me at this point. Interesting. Like right now, they're gonna they're gonna meet each other. They're gonna they're gonna test out ideas with each other. They're gonna sell to each other. They're gonna get support from each other. They're gonna write a book together. I mean, who knows? And some of them are gonna realize they need more from me. Now, my offer, my paid offer, is fifteen thousand dollars. 
right? That's not for everybody. That's kind of like your 1% thing. Right. And if you go to the marketplace with a surgery as the solution, surgeries, and people are looking for a Band-Aid. People are looking for a Band-Aid and you're selling surgery. It's definitely a mismatch. And people think you're not talking to them because you're not. And so you've got to really, part of the reason I do these research calls is to really understand how do people talk about the problems they have. And I don't call them symptoms because this is all work based on breakthrough advertising, which came out in 1966. This is not new concepts, but I don't call it symptom aware because from their perspective, these are not symptoms. These are problems. So I call them little P problems versus big P problems because we as experts are aware of the bigger problem. And that's how we're thinking about it. That's what we're solving for. But if you don't help people realize the bigger problem, your solution will never make sense to them. It'll be overkill to the 10th degree and they'll walk away. They also won't won't refer people to you and all that. So I feel like all that I'm doing between the book, the interviews, the club, the two-hour pop-up mastermind where people get to do some of the work and come and talk about it, the one-day workshop, all these things is a is a way for people to kind of commit to the process and learn whether they, whether they've got enough to work on. And then, you know, like the 12 week offer is three grand, but it's minus whatever they've already spent in this, in this cycle. Yeah. 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 Right. And then they can apply that money, that three grand to the $15,000 offer. So in that case, why would you just jump into buying the one, the one-on-one with me anyway? It doesn't make sense. Go get $3,000 worth of bonus content. Like, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's not yeah. bonus content. It's about you investing in you and it's not scarcity based. There's no like, you know, hurry up. There's not enough spots. It's like opt in. And if you miss this cycle, I'm going to run this whole cycle again in a few months. Yeah. Yeah. And in yeah. the meantime, show up in the club, you know, get yeah. what you need from the resources. DIY as best you can go as far as you can on your own. And once you realize that there's more and you, you feel urgent about solving for it, my ideal clients right now are entrepreneurial women in their 50s and beyond who are looking to grow their impact and income through a new revenue stream. And they love my solution of leaning into their networks. Yeah. And they're willing to do the work and they want they feel urgency about getting this done. They, yeah. they, wanna, they wanna move forward. They wanna have that impact. They wanna increase their income. They have flexibility. Yeah. And it's not exclusively women that I work with, but I just feel like the messaging really lands strongly. And it's true for anybody who feels that urgency. It's like, yeah. it's just a matter of crafting a message that people will hear and feel like, yeah, you're talking to me. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's all about the story. I mean, it's all about the story. Yeah. Your last book sounds really interesting. And I feel like the fact that you said that was the book that you, you really listened to what people had to say, like my first book, I had done so many trainings and workshops and speakers, keynotes and whatever. So it what I knew what people needed because I had that's kind of research in its own way. Yeah. The second book, you know, I wrote the first 20,000 words. And then when I put it away, when I came back, the, the rest of the book was really about bringing these stories to life. So I had had these three years of experience coaching. Yeah. And so I had all these stories to pull from to illustrate. And I also got really granular about the steps. So I think like, you know, the first go around the paragraph was like, and then, you know, you reach out and you talk to people in your network. <laughs> it was like, that was the entire paragraph. <laughs> and now it's like, you know, this entire workbook full of steps. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. Um, handholding people through because I, when I was coaching, I realized people needed that. They, you know, um, are you familiar with OKRs? Yes. Oh yeah. 
So yeah, objectives, objectives and key results, which yep. is really poorly named. It should be key actions, but that's my <laughs> I'm with you. Um, I, don't I don't get it, but <laughs> I re- I would, you know, my first attempts at writing these for my clients, they were a little vague because I thought people understood certain steps. And yeah. then over time, oh my gosh, they became these like 25 bullet point process that, you know, people could, could gain a win just by being able to check off. They'd done a certain actions. And that those mental wins like really help. So it was just funny how I learned like human nature. Like I skip ahead because I understand the purpose yeah. of this. I know where to go. I'm self-motivated to get there. Yeah. But if you can't see where all the effort's going, you need the little wins along the way. And so my book ended up getting a lot more um, granular around the takeaways for that reason. Yeah. No, no, no. I So interesting because this is, again, I think this applies to any kind of product. I think. And I think the reason is you, you kind of nailed it. Like you need to have your story resonate with the people that's going to help. And you need to, I think you need to meet them where they're at. And I think this whole idea of the non-funnel, non-scarcity approach is more like, we're here for you. And I think generally you can do this with, I think any product or service or coaching or book or whatever, right? You can really <clears throat> have a access point like 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 the best kind of like just the best kind of content best kind of blog post has got multiple avenues of entry and exit mm-hmm. so a lot of people will say well hey jari how do you write a great blog post and i said well the first thing is you have to have a great lead second thing is you have to have the what's the pain of this thing you have to prove some of it but the other thing is in the structure of it you have to have access points that people when they skim can be like i want that and I think the the way you've approached this, which is which is it's interesting. It's more it's a more collaborative sales process that is like, this is what I have. Is this beneficial to you? And you can access it any way you want. I mean, that's the whole idea of like content based marketing, right? Like, oh, I've got all this free stuff. You kind of know I can trust me, and then I take you through the quote unquote funnel, which. We have to come up with a different name than funnel, I guess. (laughs) Kind of like the journey or the, I don't know. I've been using the word journey a lot because I think it is a journey Journey, uh, from their perspective. Like if you think about what does the entrepreneur call it? Like they, they, the word entrepreneur's journey, right? Entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Um, I think it works for any, any kind of offer product service solution. Um, I think in the creation of the offer product solution, whether it's an app or an online course or a mastermind, I think those initial conversations aren't about telling people what you've got and saying, do you want the blue button or the green button? It's about listening. Mm. But once you've got the offer validated, you've done the pilot, you know, you've got the feedback and you're iterating and now you've got something to sell. That's where you want to get creative about like, how do you give people access in? And, and one is that you really understand through, through the process of research calls and piloting, you have the language you know, really nailed in and, and dialed in and you understand how are people perceiving the problems they're trying to solve. Um, I mean, too many people get on a call, they hear some people say like, I have trouble sleeping. And they're like, I'm going to create this whole online course to help people go to sleep. But the phrase I have trouble sleeping does not tell you like what the problem even is, because there's right. so many reasons that people might have trouble sleeping nor does it even tell you that people want to spend money to solve for it. 
Right. Like you don't even know if they tried to solve for it. Have you looked up for an app for that? <laughs> you know, did they Google anything? Right. Um, right. Is there something external that they 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 need to solve for before they try to solve for this? You know, is there something else entirely they're really stressed about? Like, would would a would a session on I don't know um, prioritization and time management uh, delegation help them more than one on how to fall asleep? So we jump the gun. And we see uh, validation where there isn't any. We see people saying, yeah, I have that problem when they're not actually saying, I have a problem I'll pay for. And so we have to take our foot off the gas a little bit and spend a little more time in the building collaboratively part of this before we can say we have a fully farmed offer to sell to somebody. And here's the cool thing, Jari, that happens is that you build the market, you build the audience as you're doing this for whatever you end up creating. And if you've got 50,000, 100,000 people in your email list, you don't have to do this. You essentially own a fleet of helicopters. And what I mean by that is if you've got an idea, you drop a message in your, in your next email and you'll get 40 people in the hour signed up to do it. That's not, that's not what I have. I don't, I don't have that. that either. I agree. Right. So what I have is a small plane. And the smaller the plane, the longer the runway needs to be to get lift. And so there's not enough. We need. We don't have the power behind it. So every conversation, and by the way, I'm, I want to get specific. I'm talking about 20 to 30 research calls in six to 12 weeks initially. When you've done this a few times, you could do 20 or 30 calls in three to six weeks. It'll, it'll, be, it'll get faster over time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's but like, initially, okay. let's say it takes you three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to save you a year and a half to three years, like just doing that up front. And two-thirds of those should be people who would actually prospectively purchase something from you, not coffee chats and not referral partners. You want some of those in the mix, but yeah. if it's too many, then you're not actually building that pipeline, right? right? right. So it's just like... Get, get people on a, in a conversation with you, build more of that trust, get to know them. They'll refer the right people to you. And that's when you, when you say, here's the book, even here's the book. Those are the people who are going to be like, Oh, the book's finally here. Let's all talk about it. Come on my podcast. You know, we want right. to come to my membership group and talk about it. Hey, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Right. So like if you write a book in secret and then you show up to publish it, you are not actually launching it. You are just simply publishing it. Like, that is the same thing. If you build an offer of, of an app and you don't tell anybody about it along the way and you load it up to the app store, you have not launched a product. You have simply published an app. And I, and I think it's a distinction. And the, yeah. the sales cycle starts actually with building uh, the conversation around the fact that you're writing a book even before the book exists. Like while I was writing my book, I was talking about my book. I was interviewing people for my book. I was um, doing interviews about the content that was coming out of the book. I was running these uh, pop-up masterminds around the content of the book. Like I was monetizing even off of the ideas that were going in the book, but it was a way for me to validate what was going in the book, that it worked for people, that it was that it was relevant. And then they were all the people who signed up. I mean, that's my launch team, right? So yeah, 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 yeah. No. I yeah, the first six books I wrote were ones I wanted to read. <laughs> and this last one was what other people want to read. But, you know, and it's a different mindset, though. That's the thing I think that's the hard part. It's, well, like as being so I have a technical degree 
and I'm technically can build stuff. Right. And, it, and as you're an, if you're an engineer, you, it's a blessing and a curse. One, you can build stuff, but two, you tend to not build what people want. Just full stop. It's hard to, because you're in love with something that they're not in love with. And it has taken me, you know, I'm 51. It's taken me, I don't know, 25, 30 years to realize, you know what, maybe I should ask people what they want and then build that. <laughs> Can you imagine if you were a 25 year old entrepreneur and that's what you got out of this conversation? Oh my God, that would be like, awesome. That's it. Just repeat that. Like, yeah. what if you talk to people about what they think they need and what they think they want? And then you built that. Now, here's the thing you're probably going to build an offer that is not the biggest offer. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, my, my $25 a month contentandconnectionclub.com, by the way. Uh, is not going to solve the things for you that I think you need to solve for. It's going to give you access to a community and information, but it is not the solution. It's not the $15,000 one-on-one coaching package solution, right? But if I just only had that one offer, the the coaching program, then I'm, it's really hard. I mean, I managed to get two people to sign up for it, right? But they had a lot of no like and trust. Yeah. One had already paid a lot of money to do something with me, you know? Right, right. But that's a smaller audience of the world that I'm reaching out to compared to the people who are going to sign up for the low dollar monthly thing. They're going to keep showing up. They're going to tune into my stuff. They're going to come to my two hour thing, my one day thing. Right. And some of them are going to convert to the 12 week thing, particularly when I tell them they've already invested money in me that I'm going to then take off the price. Right, 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 right. right. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, again, different mindset, different, like, I almost think it's this, yeah, it's the servant leadership type thing, like where I'm really trying to help people. Like, it's so interesting because it's, I do think you need to do this more and more now. I mean, I think it's a good idea generally, but I think products democratized could go anywhere. It's really going to be about the story and the experience and this, you know, I'm of service come interact where you want to come interact. And it's not scarcity. It's I'm here. I have longevity, right? I'm going to be here and interact with me, whatever you want. And I think that has to, there's a, some confidence. I think you have to have some, a lot more confidence than normal. <laughs> well, I hosted a weekly event, uh, no more bad zoom.com, yeah. which now is a once a month, first Friday free event. So there's still a way for people to come in and experience what I do. Right. on a monthly basis right. for free. I still post tons of content on social right. for free, yeah. right? But if you don't sell anything, you don't have a business. That's true. That is 100% true. You don't need a website to have a business. You don't need a learning management system or a CRM or a fancy bookkeeping. You, you know, all you need to do to have a business is sell something. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you can sell something consistently, you have a a, a, a business that is actually going to keep going, right? Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> so what better way to, to find out what you can sell consistently than to talk to people what they need yeah, and then provide it. So yeah. it's just sort of funny how it's, I'm, I feel like in some ways I'm shouting the sky is purple. By the way, sometimes the sky is purple. I'll <laughs> tell you that. But uh, it's like not common wisdom, but it is common sense. Yes. You're right. Yeah, I love that. What a great place to end. 
Thank you so much, Robbie. This is just great. I, you know, we'll put a link in the show notes to everything that you just talked about. Um, yeah. If you want to get all the stuff from my new book, it's all at robbysamuels.com forward slash ethos. If you want to come join the club, it's content and connectionclub.com all spelled out. Yeah. And I'd love people to connect with me on LinkedIn and all that. Just yeah. Find me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well. Robbie, I, what can I say? <laughs> Learned a lot. Um, appreciate, appreciate your attitude and your servant leadership on this stuff. Uh, thank you so much, Robbie, for being on the show. I'm, uh, I'm impressed <laughs> by, uh, your resiliency and your ability to pivot during gosh, really, um, unprecedented times. So great to have you on the show and awesome conversation. So as promised, here are the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Robbie. Robbie says that the pandemic enabled him and other entrepreneurs to try things out without worrying too much about failing because nobody else was really looking, right? Consider how this might apply to your own ventures. What would you do if nobody else was looking? And very good point. A lot of people get all bent about, oh my gosh, I put something in the world. I feel embarrassed or whatever. And the old rule is... Uh, if you did, if you're not a little embarrassed, which with you put out, you uh, released it too late, <laughs> especially in software and other things. I mean, in reality, what you really need to do when you build something is you got to get it out there so that people can interact with it. I mean, that's the only way you're going to know if it's any good. And that's just reality. So yeah, I mean, try to do more, figure out how you're going to put yourself out in the world. And that's a great question. Like, what would you do if... No one was looking. And then just go do that. Robbie explains his marketing strategy as being anti-funnel and that he offers a variety of programs that allow people to get value when and where they are ready to do so. The cost of a lower tier program can be applied to a higher tier program. And if the customer decides it's right, if not, that's fine with him. Building trust in relationships is paramount. And I really like this idea of the kind of anti-funnel. I think we talked about that with someone else. I don't remember their name off the top of my head, so I apologize. But it was all about building community and having the ability to interact at all levels of the community. And when someone's ready to buy, quote unquote, and that could be in two days, 10 days, two years, forever, you're ready and you have this community around you. I think that's an interesting way to go. I mean, you know, anti-funnel is actually a good word too. So uh, I'll have to think more about that. Talk to and learn from the people you are trying to serve. Do your research and ask questions while you're in the process of building your service or product. Don't just build it and expect people to come. Okay, like I have done this so many times in the past where build it and they will come. It just doesn't work. Um, especially nowadays where product is democratized, you can build anything, honestly. I, I, I firmly believe that. So really... You want to build what people will buy. And my latest book, Story Driven Outreach, I literally figured out what people wanted to read as opposed to what I wanted to buy, or I'm sorry, what I wanted to write. So ask yourself all of these questions as you're building your product or put some offers out there, see what hits. That's the power of building a community, especially in a community where you're an expert and you're trying to add value. And yeah, community building's hard. Don't get me wrong, like it's there's a lot of noise and a lot of thrash out there. But if you're unclear about how to build a community or you're like, I don't really know what to do, find a community that you relate to 
Okay, which communities do you relate to? Which communities can you be of service? Like with, with Robbie, like how can he be of service? So think about that. Being of service is really important and it's a huge differentiator for, for folks. So there you have it. The actionable insights that I got from my stellar interview with Robbie. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com